We thank and praise God for that expression of worship. Uh, and I want you to know and don't forget, worship is not an event. It's not tied to a song only, although you can worship in song. But remember, worship is a commitment of your life. It's a lifestyle. We live worship every day of our lives. The challenge is to whom are we giving worship at the moment we're doing what we're doing. And so I pray that you will always be reminded that the Holy Ghost will remind you whenever you do something, whenever you say something, however you interact with somebody, it is an act of worship. It's just now expressing who's on the throne at that moment. Is God on the throne or is your flesh on the throne? Let's pray and ask God's blessings on our time today. Father, we bless you today and we thank you for this preaching, teaching, hearing moment. I pray that this moment of worship will be acceptable in your sight. I pray, God, that you will bless as only you can, that we would be more than just hearers of your word, we would be doers as well. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So just the other day, I was sitting in my office and I was looking at a painting in my office. It's an abstract painting. And I looked at it and then had to look again because it looked like there was something possibly wrong with the painting. Uh, even though it was an abstract, um, I, I was looking at it and I was thinking, man, something's just not, not right. Is there that line supposed to, is it that person supposed to be right? And then I came to this conclusion. I'm not sure if there's something wrong with the painting or is there something wrong with how the painting was hung? You see, how you hang a painting will determine whether or not you get the full effect of the message of the painting. And for me, that, that painting looked like it was upside down or turned to the side. I couldn't quite make it out. And my brothers and sisters, many of people who are looking at our world today, many of people who are looking at our society today, are trying to figure out what's going on in our world. It, it, is our world really turned right side up or is it turned upside down? I mean, think about it for a moment. I'm old enough to remember when parents raised children and children didn't raise parents. Uh, the war on poverty has become an aggressive war against the poor. Uh, the rate of pay difference between bosses and their employees has skyrocketed. Uh, years ago, there was a 3% difference in what a boss made versus what an employee made. And then it went up to about 30% difference. Now it is some 260% difference. The person that sits in the boardroom versus the person that works out on the street. Our teenagers in the United States are more obese than ever, more sexually active than 
ever and are experiencing premature pregnancy more now than ever before. More than 25% of all U.S. children have a chronic health disease. There are more school shootings in America today than anywhere else in the world. There are more than 3 million reports of children who are being abused in the United States every single year with an average of five children dying as a result of child abuse in the United States every day. In the U.S., it's estimated that one out of every four girls is sexually abused before they become an adult. And now approximately 60 percent of American young adults are living with their parents or grandparents. I'm telling you, for me, the world looks upside down. And the only way the world can be made better is not by who's in the White House, but by who's on the throne of people's lives. See, the only way for the world to begin to get right is for Christians to start doing their part to make the world right. Uh, We're in the midst of a very intense reset. On yesterday, we did a reset at our church with our leaders and with all concerned members as to what God wants us to do to help people who need the Lord come to know the Lord and people who know the Lord grow in the Lord so they can turn around and help somebody else who needs the Lord to come to know the Lord. And today for a few moments, I want to give you what I believe is is a seminal message in this series of Reset. I want to talk to you from the thought how to turn the world right side up. How to turn the world right side up. Now, for somebody, you may be wondering, wait a minute, Pastor, what are you talking about? When I talk about the world, we're defining world in a multiplicity of ways. The first place that you talk about turning the world right side up is in your own life. See, when you turn the world right side up, you've got to start with you, because if you're not right side up, you'll never see the world the way it needs to be seen. You can't see an upside down world if you're upside down. You've got to allow God to help you turn your life around so that you're right side up so then you can help people in your concentric circles of contact. You personally, your spouse, your significant other, your children, your family, your tribe, just keep on going out your workplace. You become more comfortable and confident as you turn yourself right side up to help other people turn their lives right side up. I'm convinced, my brothers and sisters, that there are people whose lives will never make sense because they are living and looking at their lives upside down. Our scripture today is Acts chapter 17, verse 6. Acts chapter 17, verse 6 is our foundational scripture. Let me read it for you. The ESV translation says, And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. 
Here's the first thing that, that I want you to see. As Christians, when we are said to be turning the world upside down, what we're really doing is turning the world right side up. That's why I'm talking today from the thought how to turn the world right side up. Because if we are turning the world right side up, then that means for those who are living in the world and comfortable with the world like it is, that we're actually turning their world upside down, but we're turning it back to the way God wants it to be. The book of Acts tells the story of a handful of men and women who were used by the power of the Holy Ghost to turn the world right side up. They did not leave the world like they found it. They were determined to make the world a better place, but not a better place in their eyesight. They were determined to make the world a better place and to turn it into what God wanted it to be. So here they are on the day of Pentecost. Believers are gathered and here comes the Holy Ghost. It's poured out everywhere they went. These believers, these followers of the way were ridiculed. They were they were opposed. They were persecuted. They were physically assaulted for their beliefs. Some were even put to death. But these followers of Jesus came to be known as those who turned the world upside down. There's a distinction between turning a place out and turning it upside down. There's a distinction because here's what God wants you to understand. Uh, you, you turn the world right side up when you help people turn their lives right side up. Every one of us knows at least one person, even if it's the person that we look at in the mirror every day. Everybody knows at least one person who needs to turn their life upside down in order to get their life right side up. And the scripture says that these believers in Acts 17, 6 went preaching the gospel and they turned the world upside down, which means they turned it right side up to the glory of God. Here's the second thing and final thing for today. Not only do you have a responsibility to turn the world right side up. Uh, secondly, you turn the world right side up when you share Jesus with those who need him. You turn the world ups, upside, uh, right side up when you share the gospel of Jesus Christ with those who need him. Verse 1 of Acts chapter 17 says, When they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas 
as did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. The Bible says that Paul went in and reasoned with them from the scriptures over three Sabbath days. That's three weeks that Paul reasoned with them. Uh, he took time. He was intentional. He was intense in his building this relationship with the people who needed to hear from the Lord. And the Bible says he reasoned with them. He talked with them. He discussed with them. He dialogued with them. Uh, some translations would say he disputed with them, uh, but they would never disagree a bull, even though they may have disagreed. There was a seeking of knowledge and there was a willingness of Paul to share what the Lord had shared with him. Can I tell you one of the mistakes that we make when we talk about sharing the word of God with people? Uh, somehow we're under this misconception. Maybe it's the instant society that we live in that we think if we just talk to somebody and walk up and tell them they need Jesus and they don't respond right away, we look at them and say, well, you know what? I'm just going to shake the dust off my feet. Listen, sometimes you've got to build a relationship and a rapport and give people an opportunity, listen carefully, to see the sermon in action before they hear it spoken across your lips. You've got to show them who you are and not just say who you are. Listen, we live in a society today, my brothers and sisters, where people are quick to say it, but many cannot live under the scrutiny of a continued examination to see if there is reality behind their words. My brothers and sisters, you've got to live it and you've got to care enough about people to talk to them and spend time with them because they don't care what you know until they know that you care. It's amazing to me, my brothers and sisters, how many people we know need the Lord, but because we don't like them or like their lifestyle or whatever choices they have made, good, bad, or ugly, so we decide that we're going to brush them off. We decide we're going to shoo them off. We decide we're going to go the other way instead of sharing with them consistently the love of Jesus Christ. Paul says you've got to share the word of God. You, you must share God's word. You must share God's word. See, see here, here's what Paul wants you to understand. The, the source and authority of Paul's message was the scripture. Paul did not preach the ideas of other men. Paul did not preach the ideas of other women or his own ideas. Paul did not have a message that came from man's mind. He did not come preaching and teaching philosophy, psychology, sociology, religion, history, or the law. Paul came with the word of God because he understands there is life-giving power in the word. Paul preached the scriptures because Paul understood that they were both the source and authority 
that people needed to live by. Listen to me carefully, my brothers and sisters. Everybody has an opinion. And here's the truth, as tragic as it may be. Everybody values their opinion as much, if not more, than somebody else's opinion. Even when the person is an expert in the field, we think our opinion is as good as theirs. It's even worse for people of God, because here's what I've learned. When you have people who know God, people who have given their life to the Lord, they think every thought they come up with must be inspired by the Holy Ghost. So if they think it long enough and hard enough, it must be God, because I wouldn't think it otherwise. Listen to me carefully. If your thoughts are not in alignment with the word of God, don't, you can't be so spiritual that you are unbiblical. Somebody put that in the chat. You, you can't be spiritual to the point that you are unbiblical. The Bible says that Paul explained to them, he, he opened thoroughly the word of God and prove to them that, that Jesus was the Christ. Now, here's what's important for you to understand. If you go back and look at that passage, everybody didn't accept. Everybody didn't receive. Those who received, received, but there was a crowd who got mad. Specifically, the text references the Jews. Why? Because their world was being turned upside down. And they didn't like the fact that their world was being turned upside down when in actuality, in the power of God, their world was being turned right side up. Look at what Romans 1 verses 16 and 17 say. For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God. The power of God unto salvation. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes the Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. It's the word that changes lives. It's, it's as we lead and, 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 and disciple and encourage people in the word of God. That's why Paul says the word of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God, the woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Word of God is profitable for doctrine. That's the teachers what's right. It's profitable for reproof. That's the teachers what's not right. It's profitable for correction. That's the teachers how to get right. It's profitable for instruction in righteousness. That's the teachers how to stay right. Everything we need for right living is in the word of God. And Paul says, when you share that good news with others and they embrace it, man, you find those who embrace it and you help them to grow and you will turn their world for them upside down. But from God's perspective, 
you can turn their world right side up and help them live in the way that is right in the sight of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and we bless you for this day. Uh, We pray now, God, that everything that we have done, everything that we have said has been pleasing in your sight, has brought glory and honor to you. God, I pray that your word has found a fertile place in our hearts and minds, that we would be more than just hearers, that we would be doers of your word. Help us, God, to see our responsibility, to take that responsibility seriously to turn the world right side up. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, if you're watching with us on today, listen, I want to give you an opportunity to come to know the Lord. Remember, there's only two kinds of people in the world, people who know Jesus and people who need Jesus. If you need the Lord, I want you to click on the QR code right now and follow the path to accept Jesus Christ as your savior. I want you to do that today. Don't wait, don't tarry, don't dialogue, don't debate with the devil. If you feel God leading you and you wanna give your life to the Lord, listen to me carefully. I'm not talking about uh, becoming part of the church. I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about rituals or routines. I'm talking about a relationship with a God who loves you so much. He loves you where you are, but he loves you so much. He doesn't want to leave you there. Now, if you know the Lord, then I want you to click on that QR code as well. Um, Either way, we want to pray for you. Uh, Let us know the decision that you made today. Maybe you committed your life to the Lord or recommitted your life to the Lord. Maybe you accepted Jesus Christ as your savior and you can follow the prompts or go to our website at goodhope.org and you can follow the prompts on how to ask the Lord Jesus Christ in your life and I will show you and lead you through the prayer of salvation so you can ask the Lord into your life. Wherever you are, whatever it is that you're going through, I want you to know nothing catches God off guard and he's there to encourage you along the way. Now, as we worship the Lord in giving, uh, I want you to, again, uh, if you're able, go to that QR code or just follow one of the six prompts to give online. Um, Here's what I want you to really do for me, not not only to give uh, financially, but, but I really want you to think about how do you give of your time and your talent. For those of you who are in the Houston metropolitan area, Um, and you don't have a church home, you don't have to join our church to come and serve. Um, We we are serving hundreds of people every week in our food pantry. Um, We have our new director of missions. Uh, Minister Chris Johnson has assumed that role. He was part of the missions team under Pastor Mark Sloan. He and his wife, we give a shout out to them. They are in Uganda right now. Pastor Mark and Marshall Sloan are there and uh, he's getting ready to start teaching and she's ministering to the women there and we're excited about the work that they're doing there. Minister Chris Johnson was part of that team and now he is assuming leadership of our missions team 
as our full-time missions director. And we're going to be mobilizing our church. Here's what I need you to understand. Man, I have come to accept this fact like never before. I don't want to invite you to sit at our church. I want you to come and serve with our church. So whether you are a church member or not, you might be an unbeliever. You know what? That's okay. You're looking for fulfillment. You're looking for purpose in your life. Man, we would love for you to contact our church. Call our church, 713-524-6578. That's 713-524-6578. And just leave a message and say, hey, I heard Pastor Cofield talking about this on the broadcast. I want to serve. We want to get you actively involved in making a difference in the kingdom work. As a matter of fact, I'm telling all of you who are members of the church, don't invite folk to come to church to sit with you. Invite them to church to come and serve with you. Because serving is where we can meet people where they are and begin to help them to move to where God wants them to be. Now, we're still in our reset. I'm going to come back with part two of this message on next week. But man, I am super excited about this reset because I believe God has even greater things in store for us. And for those of you who watch on the digital platform, thank you so much. Man, we're working hard to get our discipleship on demand up and going. And I'm hoping and praying that we'll be able to do that in the next 30 to 60 days. I'll be working hard on that. Uh, we want to make it as uh, content driven and as uh, convenient as possible. But we also want to make sure that we give you an opportunity to connect with community because all three of those things are necessary for discipleship to really take place. Content, community and a level of convenience so that you can actually get it done. Stay with us. I promise you. We're going somewhere and it's going to be great on our way and when we get there. All right. Until next time, remember, God is doing something wonderful in you. God is doing something wonderful in us. So let's get excited about what God is doing. God bless.